A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rue Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, welcome, Kristen Malek, to this um, Design to Change podcast, which is embedded into the PCMA faculty uh, uh, forum that we're having right now on uh, the 2nd of December, uh, September 2021. Welcome to the uh, onstage uh a podcast recording. How are you feeling, Kristen? I'm feeling excited and nervous, and thanks for having me. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, nothing to be uh, um, shocked about, but our, our the new book, Design to Change, starts with a very poignant question. I'll put it up on the screen here so you can see it, um, and I'll read it out to you out loud. It says, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Would I leave it to chance? As a event designer and event planner and type A, I try not to leave anything to chance. <laughs> if you leave nothing to chance, what's currently on your horizon of change? I think to rephrase my answer, I don't think that I leave answers. I think that answers can be left to chance, but the situations and the questions I don't leave to chance. So I, I will set up very specific scenarios or routines or questions, but the answers could be left to chance. Does and that so, make sense? <laughs> yeah, and we, just, and we just read from the back of the book, you know, that, you know, Bertrand Picard, uh, the, the explorer and, and, and environmentalist, he mentions that it's not the answer that's important, but the attitude to the question, right? So <clears throat> in exploring what we're going to do, I think this is typically what all faculty members, I hope, do is they <clears throat> they get their students to come up with the right questions. Right? What the industry needs more than ever, and any industry needs, is the ability to find the right questions uh, and then coming up collectively or collaboratively with the answers, but mostly have a positive attitude or an attitude towards the question that's going to make you ponder the question even deeper. And this is what design thinking is all about, right? So um, we're going to introduce you into that. Um, maybe before we go into that horizon of change that Kristen mentioned, um, Anthony, should we uh, spin the wheel and um, see? Because we have so many topics, rabbit's hole, we can go down into, right? But let's, let's maybe spin the wheel and find what, uh, what topic we're going to address today. Putting design on the agenda. Putting design on the agenda. Okay. So um, every, every conversation, so every chapter has a specific item, but this is probably one of the ones that's the hottest 
um, the hottest key. I know two days ago we had the faculty summit for the Event Design Certificate Young Professionals program, and you were sharing um, a story that kind of reflects this a lot, right? Where you equip students with the ability to know about event design, um, and then um, somebody addresses that in an organization, and maybe the student already knows about it or might not know about it yet. So is it on the agenda or not? So um, what I'd like to do is, is give you an idea of, um, uh, we're, we're going to prompt some questions to you. And if you want to follow along with the questions, we're happy to share the link to this worksheet as well. So uh, you could give your answer to the same question if you are also in this, um, um, in this uh, live edition here of the podcast. For the listeners, uh, you can find the link in the notes below. So we're going to start with the first question. The first question, Kristen, is the following. How can you comfort your event owner that not having clarity with the initial ask is okay? I definitely can translate this into education for sure. I think in my capstone class, I'm constantly dealing with this in terms of everyone wants to know all the information all the time before you start the design and planning process. And I always give the staircase example in the staircase talk of, you don't know everything on the staircase. You can't always see the entire staircase. Think of a spiral staircase or a staircase that's multiple levels with a landing that you just have to take it one step at a time and know that you're going to get to that, that end product. And normally by talking through the staircase of uh, visualization and example, then that helps to comfort whether it's the students or the event owner, but then also doing it with confidence, not necessarily confidence, in your knowledge, but confidence in your process and your skill set in the process that you're all going to get there together. Love that. Uh, the first visual on that chapter is actually this one, right? It's uh, are, are you willing and able to open the design can of worms uh, because of what it's going to do to you or to the organization that you're serving at that very moment? So um, I love that. Take it one step at a time. The stair metaphor works. Um, it's almost as if you had a predictive power as to what the next question would be uh, because the metaphor actually goes on. And just so you know, for those that are listening, uh, Dr. K had no idea of knowing what these questions are. Right? She doesn't have a copy of the book yet. Um, and she doesn't know what the order and sequence of the questions is. So uh, second question here. What guardrails do you offer to allow the event owner to feel comfortable to say yes to you for event design? That's a great question. What guardrails do you offer to allow the event owner to feel comfortable to say yes to you for event design? I think the fact that we always offer check-in processes and when we're doing something structured like the event design canvas process, we always invite the, the owner and or stakeholders to, depending on the event to come in and kind of see each step of the process or at least send them our overview video. And I think a lot of times event owners or in our case as teachers, as students, the students, they're just, they, they get nervous when there's not communication. And so I'm a person who's always hashtag over communicating everything, which does get me in trouble, <laughs> by the way. But I'm such an over communicator that I think that that people just, people just naturally feel comfortable because I've lowered those guardrails because they know I'm going to communicate uh, every step of the process. 
If you're enjoying this conversation, check out the book and full multimedia experience by purchasing your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Visit designtochange.online to order your copy and start interacting with more thought-provoking content like this. Uh, let's let's take you to the next question because we realize time is ticking away, right? We have 15 minutes for this onstage part and then we'll go offstage. Um, the next question is this one. How will you sketch the outcomes of event design and involve the event owner in the way forward? Now, I know that you've done this for the student competition before and so you have examples, but... How do you sketch the outcomes of the event design and involve the event owner in the way forward? How do you do that? I think it's really important to know the event owner and their objectives and expectations. And then in the classroom, when I'm designing these experiences for the students to understand the level of awareness that they need or want, because I think that that outcome will look very different depending on who that stakeholder or the event owner is you're presenting to. Sometimes you might just need a vision board or a graphic, and then you talk through it. Sometimes you need a 200 page proposal, <laughs> depending on who that owner or that stakeholder is. And so I think just accurately knowing who your owner or your stakeholder or the student is. So that way you can, again, hashtag over communicate to them uh, to get them to see that vision, whether that's a visual or auditory or, or written format is beneficial. I don't know that that directly answered your question, but that's my answer for it. <laughs> but what, what I would do is, because um, I found it fascinating to meet your group of students uh, remember at PCMA in Pittsburgh, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, your, your student team had, I think, won the competition then and at convening leaders in Pittsburgh. Um, we had the opportunity to have lunch with them and actually meet them face to face and see what kind of questions they were asking. And I think that's fascinating, right? So the fact that you as a faculty um, encourage your students to do something in a specific way. And what I distinctly remember is a Facebook post Maybe it was over-communicated, I'm not sure, but I didn't feel it was. But I saw a snippet of how the students presented the, the event design from various stakeholder perspectives, and each of them took on a role in the narrative in how they told the story of the event. And I was extremely blown away by that concept because none of the other practitioners that we have in the pool of 20,000 people have done that before. It was completely new. And so you are able to identify with the story of a stakeholder specifically if it represents a person literally walking into the screen and walking back out of the screen telling the story one by one. I thought it was very, very powerful. So the, I think the creativity of the students is, I think it's second to none, but you have to trigger it, right? And I, and I like, let's say, the outcome sketching in a very auditory but also creative video way or visual way and then them being able to share it on social media or in different places to your event owner is super powerful, right? Because it well, does change behavior. And they showed up at Convening Leaders Live. Well, and I would also say one thing that I that I do that, that people always tend to comment on is I just ask a ton of questions. And not just the, quanti the quantity of questions, but the quality of questions as well. I frequently get comments of, wow, you asked really great questions. So I tell the students at the beginning of the semester, and I also tell the colleagues, partners that I work with in events, I say, I'm going to ask questions, but it's not because 
I doubt you. It's not because I'm, I have an ulterior objective. It's not because I'm trying to get you to an answer. It's not because I think you're wrong. It's because I want you to be able to justify your answer to see that you've put thoughts behind it. And so I set the stage all the time with that. And it's kind of a classroom culture now in class of I'm asking a question, not because you're wrong, but because I want to know that you've thought about it and that you have justification for why you're doing something the way that you're doing it. And so that's actually kind of what led to that video of, you know, well, why are you doing it this way? How, what are you thinking about when you're doing this, et cetera, et cetera. I love that. And I, I think an event, or sorry, a classroom is almost like a simulation of an event, right? I mean, you are hosting events every single day when you put on a class. And so you have a lot of space to prototype different things and experiment with the students together. Um, and I, I think it's a very conducive environment to, you already have design on the agenda, right? Without asking the permission, because you are the event owner. Um, mm -hmm. And if you start looking at your classrooms much more through that lens, I think you will see an enormous opportunity to to use that time, which is so precious, right, for doing that same thing. Mm -hmm. Fourth question. How does getting design on the agenda help the event owner in other parts of the organization to achieve strategic goals? And perhaps if we build on this one a little bit, because we have so many faculty joining, um, how does this maybe fit into the rest of the academic institution as well and their vantage point into what you're doing with design within your own, uh, within your own uh, group? That's such a great question. And I know I've talked to Rude about this before in the past, is that I truly believe I'm, I'm a great educator because of my event design background, because I treat every single classroom like an event. Every classroom has its own objectives and I design that experience around it. If we're talking about site selection, I'm not going to give a PowerPoint on site selection. We're going to go out and do a, a site selection and a walkthrough. If I have, you know, a PowerPoint, I don't do a lot of PowerPoints because I'm constantly designing an experience around that. And because of that, that actually really helps a lot of the different areas of the university because it's really great for recruitment and enrollment. And actually, UNL has had an increase in enrollment every single semester, even throughout COVID. And a lot of that I truly feel is because of some of the event design things that we do because they're creating videos. I share videos all the time. I actually send out a box to my online classes that is constantly taking pictures of and it's on Instagram. Exactly. Very similar. And do you, have, you have roll cards too? Like, you know, I do actually. And, and I keep an element of surprise because every single week we have in closed envelopes and then we open up the envelopes together. We do, if it's synchronous, we open it up together in a live environment. If it's asynchronous, they take a, a picture of them opening up their box and we put it on kind of a cool discussion board or, or yellow dig if you've heard of that but i think that that's the designing of of the classroom experience really does help the other aspects of strategy and and i'm it's talking very specifically about universities but in recruitment enrollment um all of those elements but then also just awareness of major we have once I did the box, just as an example, once I did the box, we that class, the intro to events class, increased enrollment by 209% from 
from fall of 2020 to spring of 2021. So in the middle of COVID and it was online both semesters and we had a 39% increase in variety of majors. And we had a huge, uh, a lot of students who came and either double majored or added the minor. And all of that was just because of how I designed that class experience. So. Wow. If you've been watching the mural, you saw that the one minute mark comes up. And this egg timer is our backup plan for if power falls off or a mural breaks down, right? Uh, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, a, a remark I'm just reading there. If anyone watched The Chair on Netflix, I'm getting those vibes right now. Uh, I've never seen The Chair. But here rings the bell, right? And this is the bell that every classroom has to announce that it is now time to go to the next networking break uh, in between classes, right, which uh, is cherished by many, uh, binge watch worthy in one sitting. And so, well, this is just going to be the audio version when you listen to the recording. There's 14 other guests that have gone through this. And who knows, you might be the next guest. But um, maybe, uh, Anthony, we can um, now close off the onstage part. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.